Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast of the Grove Church where we go through the Bible book by book in a way that is deep but also easy to understand. If you would like to follow along with us, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the Solid Life Whole Bible Reading Plan. We also have reading plans available in the lobby every Sunday. Yeah, and like always, if you have any questions that you would like to be answered about the Bible, you can email your questions to info at grove.church. That's info at grove.church. Um, obviously, we can't get to every single question. So like we mentioned last week, we are going to be doing an entire podcast dedicated to your questions. So make sure you send those in. We're getting some great ones. But hey, let's hop into our content for this week. All right. This week, we are wrapping up the book of Luke, and we're also starting the book of Acts. And so like we mentioned earlier, uh, when we were introducing Luke, Acts is a direct sequel to the book of Luke written by the same author. As we get through the end of the book of Luke, what we see is the death and the resurrection of Jesus, which obviously as Christians is so central to our faith. And I, I love the imagery. I love the way that it's portrayed. And I love that really in, in a moment in the Bible, where all hope seems lost, that's when God's glory shines through the most. Um, it's a wonderful book. I would encourage you guys, reread through Luke again. It's a great book to read. And as we start up uh, next week, I believe we're starting up Matthew. And so we're going to go through the gospel story again from a slightly different perspective. So t- stay tuned next week when we talk a little bit more about that. Getting into Acts, though, Acts is a direct sequel to Luke. It's even written to Theophilus as well, and it can really be divided into two parts, somewhat similar to Genesis, where there's a section that uh, focuses at the 30,000-foot level, and there's also a section that focuses on Abraham. With the book of Acts, there's a section that focuses in on really the beginnings of the early church. We follow a lot of the different disciples. We see what their ministry looks like after Jesus goes back. In fact, the first chapter of Acts is really Jesus ascending back to heaven. We get Pentecost. We see Peter preaching to thousands of people. Like incredible miracles are happening. The church is booming. Uh, 3,000 people get saved in one sermon, which is, that's a heck of an altar call. That'll work out. Yeah, that's better than anything I've ever done. So. <laughs> and after that, uh, the book really zooms in and it focuses on the ministry and the missionary journey of Paul. And so Luke is a companion of Paul. He travels with him. And so, like I said, there'll even be a point. Keep keep your eyes uh, focused on it because it's blinking, you miss it. But the book goes from being in third person to really being in first person. So it's a great deal. And as we read through the book of Acts, I think it's extremely important to see how the church was guided by the Holy Spirit. Um, a lot of this is obviously pre uh, Bible in the sense of, you know, they didn't have the New Testament to look back on. They're really kind of just following the leading of God. They're praying constantly. When you look at almost every major decision, it's always with prayer. It's always mm-hmm. gathered with a bunch of the elders. Um, and I think it's just a really beautiful picture of a group of people whose lives were forever changed by the gospel going out because they can't do anything else besides tell people about what happened. Yeah, it's interesting because um, we know um, that the Bible wasn't actually compiled for a couple hundred years later. And it's actually insane to think that uh, this early church had so much growth and so much um, impact, really, without um, the guiding of what we come today to call the New Testament. Um, It really just speaks to the leadership, really speaks to um, the people that were passionate about um, just seeing the message of Jesus spread. And honestly, that's kind of one of the uh, reassurances that we have of the early church of, of um, you know, the things that we believe are true, because in those days, uh, man, if, th- if this was just a lie, why would people 
really go all out and sacrifice their life? Why would the Roman government try to shut it down? Mm-hmm. All of these different things. It's really actually, if we read into the history of it, it's very encouraging for some of us. Sometimes we read the Bible and we ask ourselves, are these stories true? Did Jesus really um, walk this earth? Did these miracles really happen? We can use the early church as an example and an encouragement in those times because we know that people don't give their lives up for lies. Absolutely. Uh, one, one quick piece of clarity I wanted to bring. When you say that the Bible wasn't compiled until a couple hundred years later, uh, we don't mean the books weren't written until a couple hundred years later. So those all of the books of the Bible we have uh, were written within, I think the latest one was... 60 years after what happened with Jesus. Most of them are written uh, between 20 and 50 years afterwards. And then a couple hundred years later, we get the final compilation in the sense of uh, what books are actually in the New Testament is the idea there. Yeah. And with that, we are going to uh, continue on in our week uh, today, or this week, rather, we are going to be wrapping up Revelation as well. Um, Revelation wraps us by showing us uh, what, as Christians, our hope is in. Um, man, like we were saying before, we sometimes we get caught up in the imagery, we get caught up in um, just different things that don't necessarily make a lot of sense. But today we want to focus on Revelation 21 verses 1 through 7. Um, This is a beautiful picture of what as Christians our hope is in. It says this, and remember this is John, he's seeing a vision and he's writing this vision down. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Now, this is my favorite part. Verse four, he will wipe away every tear from their eye and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, behold, I'm making all things new. Also, he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. I just love this phrase. He said, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. I think it's so interesting because I know for me, my life can sometimes get a little hectic and chaotic and I can get wrapped up in things that are happening. Um, maybe that aren't necessarily going according to my plan. And sometimes we can ask ourselves, God, are you even there? God, do you even know that I'm struggling? God, do you even care that I'm going through this? And this verse, Revelation 21 verse four, it's a reassurance that our hope isn't in the things of this world. I mean, there are things in this world that are going to be chaos. There are things in this world that are going to ultimately um, frustrate us or mm-hmm. um, make us upset and broken relationships and and sickness and death. And all of these things are things of this world, but our hope isn't in the things of this world. Our hope is in this promise in Revelation 21.4 where uh, God will wipe away all of our tears and there will be no more death. And And I think it's... It's encouraging when we read Revelation. So many people, they they pass over Revelation because they're afraid of it or they don't know how to 
properly interpret it. Mm-hmm. But there's so much beauty in just the promises that God has in these scriptures. Yeah, what were you saying? It, it, what you were just saying reminded me of I forgot I forgot where I heard it, but it was a pastor speaking, and he was talking about how for for Christians, our life on earth is as close to hell as we're ever going to get, which is kind of a which is a comforting thought. It sounds a little bit dark, um, but just the idea that. Our experience is now like there, there is a lot of pain in life. It's just the way it is. Um, hard times are going to come. Great times are going to come. We have the joy of the Lord and, and the Bible promises, um, like in Psalm 23, that it's it's not a promise that we're never going to go through hard times, but it's a promise that God will always be with us in the hard times. Yeah. But but ultimately, like you said, our hope is um, it's not in this life being perfect, but but rather it's in the next one being perfect. Yeah, I, I love the imagery of, of Revelation when, yeah. when it comes to that. <laughs> With that being said, we are also wrapping up. This week is a it's a week of wrap-ups. We're wrapping up a lot of books, uh, but the book of Job. And so we talked about last week, um, our pattern ended. Job talks about wisdom. Uh, his friend Elihu has a whole monologue, which we're not going to be able to get into today, but is really great to kind of look into. Uh, but today we want to talk about God's response to Job, and, and namely that it's it's not what you would expect. It was funny uh, when when Connor and I were planning out the podcast in a, in a meeting. We were talking about how um, so often when you hear people preach on Job or when you just hear people talk about Job, they skip this part. Like you just kind of <laughs> go from uh, the story of what happens to Job, and then like, oh, his friends are terrible, and then eventually he passes the test and God gives him all of his stuff back. But we don't actually talk about the <laughs> chapters where. Uh, God really does respond to Job. And just to read a little bit of it, uh, starting in in chapter 38, verse 1, it just says, or verse 2 rather, uh, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you and and you will make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? Or what? On, on what were its bases sunk, or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? And, and we see this almost, um, almost this uncomfortable reaction that God has to Job. And, and I think the thing that is is really interesting philosophically with the book of Job is God actually never answers Job's question. Yeah. About <laughs> with Job, the the book is about God. Why did you let this happen to me? And and we know as the readers because we get a we get a window into what happened beforehand. We know why it's happening. But when God's response to, God's response to Job is not like, well, Job, here's exactly why this is going on. It's really um, like, hey, who are you to tell me how to run the universe? Which is it's weird. It's just it's it's like I don't know. It's it's interesting because you kind of get this idea of why people skip it sometimes it's a little bit uncomfortable but i think it's i remember like growing up like i would ask my parents just a a seemingly innocent question and um i would get the full answer that i wasn't really expecting like (laughs) hey like what are we doing today and she's like we're doing what we're doing every day connor you're going to school and you know just kind of like the answer my my parents they're, they're not mean or anything but it's just it's it's almost like a child questioning like the parent yeah. And the parent saying, listen, like you're going to do what I say because um, – not because I'm in charge, but because really the parent always knows what's best for the child. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's it's really important, I think, for us to keep in mind what this is saying. One thing I wanted to talk about before we go a little bit deeper, um, there's a song that I love. And so this is our first music recommendation on the mm-hmm. Let's Read the Bible podcast. And so – 
Uh, shout out to the band Ghost Ship, which is who we're recommending today. But they have a song called Where Were You? And the whole song is really, it's straight out of the book of Job. And so I would encourage you to look it up. Um, it's a great way just to kind of listen. Uh, we, luck, we looked at the music video yesterday. That was really it's really sad. But yeah, I almost cried, but almost that's cried. okay. But no, the song is just great. And I, I love the way that... Maybe uh, I did cry. It's It starts off with this introduction of really asking like, you know, God, I don't understand. Like, why is there suffering? Why is this happening? And then it just brings in God's answers of Job and in a really beautiful way. The music's great. So I would encourage you, check it out. It's really good. Um, again, that is Where Were You by Ghost Ship. The other thing I want to talk about is... So the main idea, it's, it's, it can be easy to get lost a little bit in the tone of what God is saying here, but the main idea is that God is sovereign and his ways are higher than our ways, which is a theme throughout a ton of the Bible. Um, and like you said, I love, the, I love the analogy of it kind of being like a kid questioning things with his, with, uh, his parents. And I remember uh, me and my dad were talking the other day and he talked about um, when, I was, when I was little, I ran out into the street. And he, uh, you know, he spanked me basically to say, like, you can't go running out into the street. And he was talking about how, like, it was really hard uh, at the time. But basically the idea was um, you didn't understand why this was bad and I needed to help you to understand. And, and an- another interesting thing is the connection of Job with the book of Habakkuk. And so I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because in October we're going to read through the book. We're going to talk about it. But we're going to read through the whole book in one day. Yeah, dude. I love those books. I know. <laughs> you feel so accomplished. It's like checking something off your to-do list. You it, feel super spiritual. It'll be a good day. Come on. Um, but Habakkuk is similar to Job in the fact that it's someone questioning, why is God allowing these these painful things to happen. And then when God responds to Habakkuk, it's in a completely different way than he responds to Job. And Just it, like growing up with siblings. Exactly. Like God knows what Job needs. God knows what Habakkuk needs. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Like I said, when we get to the book, you can cheat and read ahead if you want to. I mean, no, you know, we won't call you on that, but it's just really interesting. And the other thing I want to hit on was it really reminds me of a conversation that we just had on the Grove Family podcast. And I was listening to it and Diane Habis was talking through um, really just walking through trauma with your children, walking through really difficult times. And, and a little bit similar to Job, obviously on a lesser scale, but how do you help your kids walk through when, when really hard things happen? And one of the things I thought was so good that she talked about was the importance of keeping perspective. And she was saying the entire time while her daughter was going through uh, this trauma and she was having to kind of walk with her through it, her job as a parent was to keep God's perspective and not necessarily be in the moment, but really overall be able to remind her daughter that, you know, God has a plan right now. We may not know what it is. We may not know how it's going to work out, um, but God's in control. God's going to work this together for your good. And we just have to know, and we have to trust him. And really that is the message of the book of Job, that God is in control. God knows what he's doing. And when life doesn't make sense, when pain hits, we have to trust him. Yeah. And I mean, as me and Evan were talking about this, we just really hope that that's an encouragement to somebody out there. Um, Like we were mentioning earlier, there's just so much that can happen in our life. Uh, And if we don't have the proper perspective, we can really miss out on what God wants to do in our life during that season. And so just want to encourage everyone, keep God's perspective, even in the moments where you question, even the moments where maybe you even doubt, keep God's perspective in all of that and just watch how he works through you. 
Well, continuing on out of Job, uh, this week we are also reading a psalm, uh, Psalm 6. And um, Psalm 6 I find very interesting. Um, it is a, it's a psalm of David, actually, um, King David, not David the shepherd, but King David. Um, and I think it's it's a great um, – it's very relatable. I think it's, yeah. it's very relatable. As I open up uh, my Bible, I highlighted a few things. Um, I want to give you a little bit of backstory on this. David, um, scholars don't know exactly what's going on, but David is dealing with some sort of illness, some sort of ailment. They don't know exactly what's going on. And David, so much like us, is attributing his sickness with a sin that he's committed. I know growing up, every single bad thing I ever did um, or that ever happened to me, I would be like, okay, what what sin did I just commit that causes me to deserve this? What, uh, you know, did, did I disrespect my parents and that's why now, um, you know, I fell and, and scraped my knee or did me and my sister get in too much of a fight and now that's why I'm dealing with the flu. And, and David is sitting here and he is basically crying out to God, God, what did I do uh, to deserve this? It's kind of like um, Job in a sense. And it says this in verses one through three. And this is David, um, and this is, it says in my Bible, to the chief musician with a stringed instrument on an eight-stringed harp, a psalm of David. That is an intro. And so this was meant to be a worship song, uh, something that probably would have went into the temple and it was for corporate worship. Uh, but he says this in verses one through three, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are troubled. My soul is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? And what I think in this passage that we can pull out of this is that people in the Bible sometimes get this larger-than-life personality. And because they made it into the 66 books or their key figures, we can take their human aspects out of what um, they're really going through. I mean, so often we're like, well, David, he killed Goliath. David, he killed lions. David, he was a king. But really, we 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 don't take in the human element of David and being so close to God, yet questioning whether or not um, God was punishing him for some sort of sin, and this sin was causing him to be sick. And I don't know. I know growing up, like I said earlier, I've dealt with that. Evan, have you ever dealt with something like that? Sure. Yeah, I think especially when you're a kid, you just view... So much of your world is consequence based, and you, you, I think, I feel like you have to get older to realize, um, you know, things just happen, yeah, sometimes. But yeah, it's definitely, definitely, as a child, every little thing that goes wrong, I always thought to myself, you know, what did, what did I do wrong? Yeah, yeah, and I love how David ends this, um, this because I know for me, it, I sometimes can just get so caught up in the things that aren't going right in my life, and David, um, they're. Scholars believe that he was really sick. Like he probably believed he might pass away from this or would be having lifelong implications dealing with whatever was going on in his body. Um, But I love verse 8, 9, and 10, his tone changes. It says this, depart from me, all you workers of iniquity, for the Lord has heard the voices of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all my enemies be ashamed and greatly troubled. Let them turn back and be ashamed suddenly. And what I love about this, it's just a reminder that God is always with us. 
Um, David is saying, even in the midst of me questioning why I'm sick, whether it's my fault or not, man, the Lord is still with me. And I wish I could have half of that faith mm-hmm. of in the middle of crises in my life to still say, well, God, why is this happening? And then in a few short verses say, okay, well, you know what? Um, whatever's going on, like the Lord is still with me and the Lord is on my side and the Lord is fighting for me. And I think we can all be encouraged by that. Yeah. It's funny how uh, I'm just realizing it now, which you think this is something we realized in the meeting, but how really all these verses connect with Job wondering why he's suffering, David wondering why he's suffering, and then ultimately being reminded in Revelation that our hope isn't in this world. And even in the midst of suffering, we can still have joy because we know what's coming. Yeah, it's almost like they planned it in the Bible. <laughs> well, that wraps it up for this week. Uh, we are a podcast of the Grove Church, but not the only podcast of the Grove Church. You can find all of our other resources at our website, which is www.grove.church. We will see you next week.